0: I have so much to say. If you're a guest, my name is Ben. It's terrific to meet you. Thanks for coming. I love our Christmas music, and today is a terrific day for you to worship the Lord with us. So a couple of things off the top. Number one, man, I'm so jealous of y'all's talent. You guys are like skillful musicians, and I am absolutely a buffoon. So do what? I'm coming. Be patient, please. Hey, this is my turn. It's not your turn. Like I would be doing this, right? Seriously, you guys, you guys are terrific. Thank you for coming to use your gifts and talents. We're impressed. Y'all, thank them for that. And now, like, no joke, every Wednesday night, our choir, our choir has been working hard to be ready for this. They take this day super seriously. They would want nothing more than you to sing these songs and hear these words and interact with Jesus in a way that opens a whole new appreciation for the love of Christ, for the, for the act of mercy that God has given us in Christmas. And so our choir has worked super hard. They've been amazing. it, be, And I love you guys. Like, I know that y'all don't see yourselves as performers as much as you see yourselves as worship leaders and worship influencers in our congregation. I love you for it. I admire you. I, I love what you guys do. So thank you. So let's thank our choir. man and I don't want this to just become like the thank you time you know but our tech team our media people chris all the work that he and his office put together for all of this and so thank you for being a part of the day. but but for today to work it's got to be more than music we want we want today to have an eternal effect on us right and the way for us to do that is for us to let the songs bring us into something much bigger, something that God is doing. And so as I'm preaching a sermon series, Come Worship the King, I just want to cue that up today and kind of push it a step farther. I thought today would be very appropriate as we're singing for us as we work through the sermon to talk about a song. And so we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 1, we're going to be reading um, the Benedictus from Zechariah. Last week we talked about Zechariah, but today we're going to talk about the song that He sang. And I've only got a few minutes. Today's going to be a little shorter than normal. But if you will, let's go ahead and put the sermon uh, slides on the on the screen. I want to tell you something as we get kicked off. Just while I'm kind of bragging on church, you're not seeing it up there. I promise we put it in. All right, no problem. You're not going to get to see it for a few minutes, or maybe not at all. But it will be fine. I promise. Let me ask you this: If God were to write your song, like if He were to come and say, "Listen, hey, hey, Ryan, hey, Sally, hey, church family." What, what is your song? If you looked at the way God worked in your life, if you looked at what God did in your world, what would your song sound like? What would be the chorus? What are the verses? What are the lines? What's the topic? If I ask you to write a song about what God has done in your life in the last 10 years, how would it go? Well, when we look at Luke chapter 1, verse 57 and following, you're going to see Zachariah's song. You're going to have to follow along with me in your Bible because I didn't get the uh, sermon slides in the right spot in the show. So you're just going to follow old school in your Bible. Take your Bibles out. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Let's take a look at the text. This is right after Gabriel met with Zacharias and told him that he would have a child. This is his Benedictus. I'm going to look at verse uh, 50, 67 to begin. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come to His people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. As He said through His holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors, and to remember His holy covenant, the oath He swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve Him without fear, in holiness, in righteousness before Him all our days. And in verse 76, the song makes a a major shift, a new stanza. The first hands of the one that I just read to you is about Zechariah's response to the glory of God remembering a promise to Abraham. This is an Old Testament way to talk about salvation. Oh, you guys are geniuses. I see what you did. To talk about salvation and God's redemption. So the first stanza was about God redeeming his people. But this last bit is specific. It's about this kid, this baby, about John the Baptist who's going to be born. John's job is the same as our job. John's job is going to be get people ready to receive Messiah, to worship Christ Jesus and follow him for the rest of their lives. So let me read that stanza. Look with me now in verse 76. of peace. Keep in mind that this is when John is in the womb. Wouldn't it be cool if we were singing over our babies this way, imagining and praying about how God would use them, about what men of God or women of God they would be, how they would bring peace and bring wisdom and bring love and bring hope and bring joy. All right, well, I want to talk about this, this song a little bit, this song that Zachariah sang. It's a, it's a praise to God. He immediately says praise God. That's why it's nicknamed the Benedictus, Benedictus Dominus Deus Israel. The opening lines in Latin, in the Latin Vulgate, kind of got it popularized. But I, want, I wanted to think about three things in this song specifically that I think should help you and me to be able to write our song of praise better. So that this Christmas season, as we're coming to praise Jesus, as we're inviting people to worship Christ with us, our song can resonate with clarity, so to make a difference. So, a couple things. The first thing I want to point out to you that this song is not about the baby. This—it's not about the gift that Zachariah and Elizabeth are receiving. This song is not just about the gift. Now, let me kind of let me kind of narrow the focus for a moment. All right, when Zacharias is standing in a moment, this is his miracle. Like he just met the angel Gabriel like nine months ago. He was told that he was chosen by God to bring the prophet into the world that would open the way for Messiah. That in his old age, and with Elizabeth's barren womb, they were going to be blessed with life where there was only death. Like, this is Zechariah's moment. But even in this moment, where God had answered his prayers, where God had worked in a powerful way in a moment of his life, Zachariah's song is not about his blessing. Stop and look. I know the end of it is a prophecy towards John, but most of this song is really not Zechariah just saying, you've finally seen how good I am. You finally me, bless me. Thank you for what you've done for me. No, 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 no. Zechariah's song is not about what happened to Zechariah. It's about the character of a God who is saving and redeeming us. Let me, let me pitch it this way. Like, we gather on Sunday morning celebrating the resurrection of Jesus because we know that we are the ones proclaiming the gospel to the world. Good news. And what is the good news? The good news is that God, in Christ Jesus, through His death and His resurrection, He has defeated evil. Like, we win in Christ. We're invited to His family adopted into his home. We're part of his kingdom. We live in a new creation where there's no more hate, greed, racism, or death, no more dying, no more sin, no more anguish, no more hate. We are invited by God to join his movement, to join his family. I think of it like this. Man, God is laying out the banquet table for the Messiah, and the good news is that I get a seat at the table. It's almost like I feel like when, when, when Zechariah looks up and says, John is coming, he recognizes that the character of God who is redeeming the whole earth is so good that as God is redeeming creation, as God is saving souls, as God is giving people life where there was death, as God is defeating evil, as God is saving creation, man, that just overflows onto you and me, and we get all these tiny blessings and these huge blessings But all the things that are falling over into our life that are overflowing from the gospel, where goodness from God is coming into your world and your world and your world and my world, where he's answering prayers and changing our futures. like I think of these as like the blessed table scraps from the Messiah's table, that God is doing this big thing, but he's invited us into it. So when John starts to sing, he knows the song is not about himself. He recognizes that he has a beautiful line in a song that is older than creation. That, like, we sang this line a few minutes ago. Like, can you imagine the oldest song—the song from, like, that, that the angels began to sing when the angels were first created? That goes so much farther back than anything we've ever written or anything we've ever sung. And and Zechariah recognizes that what's happening in his world. It's just the next line in a very old and beautiful song about a good God who's redeeming his people. The second thing I want to say about this song that points us towards the gospel is he sings that that you have come to his people to redeem them. Zechariah says he knows that God's come. In fact, God sent a messenger to meet him in a dark room. Like in the holy place, there's an angel over his corner. Scared him to death. But how beautiful is it that even though you and I Cannot get to God on our own. We could not climb Mount Sinai when He was on it. We we can't go from Eden to Heaven. Like you and I cannot get to God. We could build the Tower of Babel, but we'll never get there in our de- rebellion or defiance. Listen to me. We cannot get to God. But it's so beautiful to me that in the Gospel, you and I declare He has come to us. Like in Christ, that's what we're celebrating. That God was willing to wear skin and walk and hurt and be hungry, be mocked and spat upon. Like, God has come down. This is the character of the redemption of God. The gospel is good news. I'm not saying that you can earn your salvation, that you can be religious enough or good enough that God might like you and keep you out of hell. I'm telling you something more beautiful than that. That this oldest song of the goodness of God is that He has come to you in His strength to do what we could never do in our weakness. If you were writing your song to God, how would those lines go? How did He find you? When did He come to you? Who reached out? The third thing that I think is beautiful in this song, as we think about the gospel and his song, is it says clearly that it, in Zechariah's Song. He says, "You save us from our enemies." Look, he's raised up a horn of salvation, salvation from our enemies, and he says, even a little bit later, that he remembered the covenant to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. No, whoa, 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 whoa! Wait, wait, wait! Zechariah had a meeting with an angel, Gabriel, who told him his wife was going to be pregnant. A pregnant wife is not the same as you've rescued me from my enemies. Why is his song about deliverance from enemies when really the miracle here is about a baby in a barren womb? The answer is because he recognizes the way you and I will rise above Satan and demons and the wicked people that hate you, the way that we will ever conquer our enemies, it's not through strength or generals or laws. It's through a baby that John was going to point us to, Christ Jesus, that His death on the cross and His resurrection from an empty tomb really would be the rescue of Israel from their enemies. Not by might, not by power, but by God's Spirit. Christ Jesus is going to rescue you from wickedness and evil and hate and harm and hurt. And how does He deliver us from evil? The most powerful evil, like from demons that influence nations, to the bully on the playground that just wants to beat you up on Monday. How does God rescue us from enemies? And the answer is in Christ Jesus in this age and in Christ Jesus in the age to come. And so Zechariah recognizes that this gospel song is worth singing, that the miracle that happened to him is connecting him to a gospel that is redeeming the cosmos. And that's worth singing about. So what about you, right? What about you? What has God done in the last year? or the last five years, that you would add to your song to tell us about how this God who is redeeming creation through his own love has brought you into the song. That how he's made your line, your tune, your melody a a new layer, a new harmony in the praise that should echo from the corners of creation to his good name. So about John, we, we wrap up with this glance at John. He specifically talks about John in verse 76 and following. And he talks about the gospel. He, he says four things about John. And I, and I would imagine this is four things that Zechariah will raise John to know. Four things about John's life and call and ministry. That when I read these four things, they're exactly the same as your life and call. and You could sing these over your daughter's. You could sing this over your sons. You could remind yourself of this in the mirror. Four things he tells John in verse 76 through 79. He says to John that you are going to be called a prophet of the Most High, and this is your job. You're going to tell people about salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Listen, I'm not preaching a righteousness on your works. I'm not telling you to try harder or do better. I'm telling that your sins are washed, forgiven, and cleansed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus because he took your place. And you have that same message. Do you have friends or family whose self-esteem is in the ditch because they don't believe they can deserve anybody's love? Why don't you tell them their sins are forgiven because of God's love for them, that they are forgiven, that that guilty conscience can be absolved? John's going to need to know about the mercy of God, and you're going to need to tell people about the mercy of God. John's going to need to know that Jesus is coming to lead you from darkness to light, and it is time to change paths. So that's one of the things I love about our Christmas Eve service, that you know, when the lights go down and we light the candles and we start to sing, it just reminds me so clearly that we are walking in the valley of the shadow of death. We are people in darkness, in a world that is beautiful but so broken. But Christ Jesus comes to show us the light. He is the light of the world. Be people that show this to, to your neighbors. And finally, hey John, you're going to point us to Jesus and he's going to bring peace. And I know, that's, I know that's the candle coming up in a couple of weeks, but is there anybody in the sanctuary today that would say, man, I have found peace in Jesus. I had a restless soul. I could never satisfy my own self-esteem. My identity never measured up until I found Jesus. And he has brought me a peace that it's hard to explain. Well, Zechariah met God and God did a, a thing in his life. Zachariah wrote a song about it is benedictus praise the god of israel well if you wrote your song today what lines would you add what work has he done and what work is he doing how would your lines your stanza add to the song that is older than creation telling of the character of a god who comes down to redeem a father who expands his family to broken forsaken forgotten or arrogant sinners like me who comes to us in Christ Jesus to redeem us from our own soil. I want to invite you to think about responding. With me, I'm going to ask Chris to come and take my spot. I'm going to come to the floor so that he can have some room. But I'm inviting you to respond. The altars of the church are open. Maybe this Christmas season, as we're talking about love, maybe it's time for you to just come kneel at the altar and just thank God for what he's done in the past year. Maybe you're asking for wisdom and clarity from God. In this moment, just to respect Him, you want to come before your church family privately and kneel here and worship and pray and ask God for wisdom or clarity. Maybe you have friends or family or sons or daughters or family or fathers or mothers who are walking in darkness today and you want nothing more than this Christmas to connect them to Christ Jesus. Come and pray. The altars are open. If you're ready to give your life to Christ, I'm here to pray with you. If you want to come and intercede, the altars are here. Please flood them. Let your prayers be worshiped to the Lord. I'll pray over us. We will respond. Father, I love you and I ask your blessing in Christ Jesus that you would grant us wisdom and courage. Open our eyes to see his glory. Lord, open our eyes to feel overwhelmed by his love. Help us understand the gospel. Help us live this Christmas season, Lord, on purpose to worship you. I pray, God, that you would let us bring others to worship Christ and that in this moment of decision, your Holy Spirit would reign and rule in our church. It's in Christ's name I pray for this. Amen. Sisters, brothers, stand up and respond with me.